What if you could use 0% business credit cards that don't affect your personal credit to fund all your Airbnbs? That's exactly what you're gonna learn today on the Fearless Investor Podcast. I believe true wealth cannot be measured by your income. It is instead measured by your availability of choices, especially the choice to live life on your terms. I also believe there are many ways to create wealth, but one thing is for certain, you have to have a laser focus on one path. My path, Airbnb, but I also believe in education and expanding your mind. Education helps you take off the blinders of life and see opportunities you never saw before. Join me on this journey of learning how to create wealth in Airbnb, real estate, and so many more investment strategies. Together, we can conquer the world of investing. My name is Kyle Stanley, and this is the Fearless Investor Podcast. Hey guys, welcome into the Fearless Investor Podcast. You're listening to me, Kyle Stanley, and I cannot wait for you to learn all about the world of business credit from Eli Facenda. But before we do go into that, I just need to ask you, have you signed up with Price Labs yet? If you haven't, you're missing out. I'm talking about not just a little bit, but as much as 20 to 30% of your revenue could go up when it comes to Price Labs, because that's the experience that I had. I thought that pricing things manually was the best way to do it. I thought it was the easiest. Boy, was I wrong. I got into dynamic pricing. I started using Price Labs. It's so functionally simple. It's so user-friendly, and it was making me an additional right around 15 to 20% on each of my listings with really a lot less headache in terms of the amount of time that I was putting into all my listings. It was literally like bringing down prices on a daily basis on each of my listings. That's way too much work. Don't do that. Just go to Price Labs. All you got to do is go to the link. If you're watching on the YouTube channel right now, go to the link down below and you can go ahead and sign up for Price Labs with a free 30-day trial and you'll get a training and an onboarding training from Price Labs. You can only do that with my link. If you're listening on the podcast, well, it is in the show notes. So make sure that you just go to those show notes and click on it. You'll get your free uh, trial to Price Labs right now. So here's the cool thing. Eli Facenda, I've been in the world of Airbnb for a while. I've heard a lot about business credit. I've never had to use it myself, but everyone keeps asking me, do you have a good business credit guy? Do you have a good business credit guy? And tried a few out here and there. And once I met Eli, I was like, this guy is awesome um, because he's going to help teach you how to do this so that you, after the first time, can go and do it on your own again and again and again and not have to pay crazy high rates to do that. So what we're talking about today is literally funding your Airbnbs with 0% credit cards that you can pay off over 12, 18 months, maybe even beyond. And Eli is going to show you how to go out and get those in the next 45 minutes. So we went live on Airbnb Masterminds. That's where we uh, originally did this. It was some great questions and a lot of people in the group that actually had experience, which I was really impressed with. And so let's go ahead and hear from Eli and the group members right now on the Fearless Investor Podcast. Hey guys, Eli Facenda with Freedom Travel Systems coming in live on the uh, Facebook group. We're here live on the Airbnb Masterminds Facebook group. Super excited. If you're watching this a couple weeks later and listening live or watching live, Eli is going to drop some just crazy knowledge on a topic that really, um, honestly, I, I have not had to use this in my business, but so many people come to me asking about business credit. They come to me asking about creative ways to be able to fund their properties and fund the, the furnishing. And after meeting Eli, I'm like, yeah, we, we got to really get people involved in this. So Eli, thanks for joining us today, man. Thank you, Kyle. Very excited to be here and excited to share some of these just really cool strategies and, and things that um, are readily available for people that were just not really traditionally taught in school. So I can't wait to dive in with you and uh, share it with the audience here. 
Awesome. Well, yeah, let, let's get to it. Usually at this point, I'm asking like, hey, what's your craziest Airbnb related story? So because I don't have that, you don't have Airbnbs, but what what about your, you're, you're the travel guy. What's, what's the like number one place you have ever traveled to, or maybe a crazy travel story here just to break the ice? Yeah. Oh man, there's so many good ones. It's really hard to pick. So I'll say craziest place I've been to. So I've been to over 35 different countries, parts of Africa, all over Europe, Central America, Asia. Honestly, the coolest place I've ever been the most different is Japan. Um, it's not like the most absolute, like, you know, off the beaten path place. A lot of times people throw out these crazy ones and um, they try to make it sound all, all special for because it's no one goes there. But Japan is just such a different world. Absolutely loved it. It was fascinating with the culture, the way things work and how unbelievably uh, warm and helpful those people are um, and their culture. So that'd be my, my most exotic destination. I would say if you've never been, like I've been to Thailand and stuff, that's really cool. But Japan is like stepping in another universe. And so I would say definitely put that on your bucket list. Um, really cool there. And on the travel stories, oh man, there's so many. I mean, from going gorilla trekking in Uganda to jumping off of, um, you know, doing rope swings in, uh, in Zimbabwe to, um, going, you know, hiking through Thailand. I mean, the, wow. the travel stories are endless, so we could dive all into that. Um, and I'm sure there's more to talk about there, but yeah, those are a couple of the couple of my top ones for sure. That's cool. That's cool. Well, uh, shout out really quick to Michelle. Uh, I see Danny is on this as well. He says he would love to go to Japan. Um, and nice. for those of you that are checking in here live, uh, what I want to know right away from all of you is have you ever used business credit or have you ever used any sort of 0% uh, credit cards to be able to fund something in your business? And if so, uh, what was that business? Was it your Airbnb business? Was it a former business? Please comment there. Um, but also remember that if you're watching this live, you get to ask questions as Eli and I are chatting here. Now, now I, I really do think, Eli, though, what people need to know about at this point is what in the world this, this business is all about. So what better way to find that out than to hear about your story of what brought you into literally helping people to create uh, businesses out of business credit and unique ways of funding. So um, take us back to before you even knew about this strategy. Yeah. What were, you, what were you doing and what led you to here? Yeah, I'll take you back the, to the whole story because getting into credit, it's kind of an interesting group of people. Like there's usually one of three paths into this world. There's path one, which is you had terrible credit and you couldn't get approved for a car or a house. It really pissed you off. And you're like, I need to fix this thing because I want to get the things in my life that I feel like I deserve and, and want to enjoy. And so you start to learn about credit through credit repair, because again, this stuff isn't taught in school, which is so unfortunate because it is as an entrepreneur or someone who's entrepreneurial, it is one of the best and most powerful resources that you have. And actually one of the things that initially sparked my interest in this entire world was a mentor of mine that I had, a guy named Peter Sage, a British um, personal growth mentor. Um, and he took, you know, he shared this quote, I think Tony Robbins probably coined it, but it's the ultimate resource is resourcefulness. So it was not necessarily to go find all the answers immediately, but it was how do you get access to the resources that can help you find the answers? And that's what credit was for me. It was This is a door opener, right? So there's getting into credit through credit repair and fixing your credit. Then there's getting into credit through kind of funding, like talking about getting access to capital so you can invest or start um, uh, a business. You, you know, you can invest in different assets or you can grow something or get into coaching programs and learn and, and develop great relationships. So there's that avenue where I actually got into it was through travel. Um, so nice. uh, basically, you know, eight years ago, I was coming out of school and I saw two paths. I was a finance degree at a school called Lehigh University in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I played baseball yeah. there and was getting ready to graduate. And I was a finance major and everyone's going to Wall Street and they're, you know, making six figure signing bonuses at 21 years old, making more money than they know what to do with. 
And I just felt like it was a square peg in a round hole. I felt entrepreneurial, felt kind of fish out of water. This opportunity opened up to join my now business partners and then, um, you know, employers to create this international sports tour company that they had started basically a year or two prior. And so in that business, it's called MVP International. We take sports teams all over the world and we'll combine family vacation and youth sports and travel into one. And so in that company, I was like, how do I get, you know, equity in this business? And the first way was through this points and miles thing and saving them money. So that's actually how I first got into credit. It was through points. And then I realized there's this whole world of business credit that opened up the opportunity to uh, really explore other opportunities for myself and for our company then. And that's kind of how I got all into it. So, yeah, I mean, let's, let's talk about that for a second, because, you know, I know about points. I, I put, you know, all of these different things on a credit card that either gets me cash back or it gives me an opportunity to be able to, to go and get a bunch of miles but what you're talking about takes it that one step further. So how did you discover that? And what, what was that kind of big difference between those two strategies there? Yeah, it's funny because it was actually on a podcast. I had heard this, you know, when pod, before podcasts were really cool. It was like 2014, probably. I'd heard about this guy who's taking these amazing, you know, trips on points, right? And I was like, that sounds really cool. And I realized I could save us, our company, a lot of money. And then I realized, holy crap, I can do this for myself. So I was like 23 years old reading all these articles and credit card sites and watching YouTube videos, learn all this stuff. And I was like flying on these first class flights over to Europe for like $6,000 flights when I was making like $30,000 a year. So I'm flying with like these like millionaire CEOs and I'm not making much of the time. And so it was like, wow, that's, that's pretty awesome. So that's what, that's what um, initially created the desire. And then as you start to learn about one part of credit, you naturally learn about the other. So I heard people talking about this business credit thing. I didn't even know what it meant. I had no idea what a business credit card was. Like I didn't have any idea of that. And so I started listening, paying attention. They're like, oh, you can get leverage. And I kind of knew what leverage was from the finance background. So you can create leverage to start or grow something. And I was like, that is freaking awesome. Because at that point, you know, I'm hustling. You either have time or you have money. Typically, if you're trying to grow and you're oftentimes lacking one or the other. I had more time, but I didn't have as much money. So I needed to basically figure out how can I get access to resources so that I can go do the things that I want to do. And so that was really how the whole path unfolded. That's awesome. So you learn about this path. How did, what, what was the first way that you used business credit? So the first way I used business credit was to invest in a coaching program. And that's honestly been my number one way that I've used it. Um, I look at, you know, you, the whole point of leveraging credit, you're really leveraging debt. And we have these kind of perceptions around what using debt means. And traditionally, you're told debt is bad, stay out of debt, which is really good advice for a consumer. But if you're a business owner and an entrepreneur, it can make sense to lever- to create some leverage to be able to move a little bit faster to get in proximity to the people you want to be around and get access to the information that you need. Otherwise, your trade-off is going to kind of the slow path, right? And so I didn't have money, so I levered business credit to get into some programs that were going to help me acquire the skill sets and knowledge that were then going to allow me to accelerate more in business. So those were the main things that I really invested in. I'd say about 60 to 70% of what I use business credit for is that uh, because I already have existing businesses. So those are the assets that I'm basically taking these resources and pouring into. Um, I do some e-commerce stuff as well, but that's basically uh, mostly, and I'm getting into real estate this year, which I know you'll be excited to hear about too. So that's the, that's what I've mostly used it for so far. Well, and, and that's the thing too, right? Is, you know, even just thinking about the crash of 2008, right? Everyone thinks, oh, because all these people were refinancing their properties, uh, that refinancing is bad. Just like how you said debt is bad. No, refinancing is not bad. It's what you do with the money after you refinance, which could create issues. If you're going and putting it into other things that are going to create flows of income, refinancing is great. If you go and buy that new Ferrari or use it to upgrade your kitchen because, uh, you feel like you need that extra, you know, 
$3,000, you know, whatever it is in the kitchen, that that's where it, it gets you into to trouble. So good debt versus bad debt. I mean, it just comes down to, are you investing or are you spending? And, and so yeah, you, you look like you want to say something about that. No, I mean, I think you nailed it because it, number one, I want to address this now because this is very important. It is business credit. And we'll get into what that means, how that works and the difference between business and personal credit, but this is still attached to you. You don't just magically get access to financing and then walk away and dump it and not, you know, no, this is still your debt. So what you're doing is you're being more strategic with how it works in terms of financing and interest rates and how it impacts your credit score, which we'll talk about. But the main thing is you still own this debt, right? You're just being smart about how you're getting access to these resources and then go and do what you need to do. And I think you nailed it. It's, are you taking the debt and putting it into assets? Or are you putting it into liabilities? If your point, if your goal is to, you know, basically get access to credit to go buy TVs and watches and new shoes, right. don't do it. Like if you're putting this into those things, that is a bad, that is not a recipe for success. If it's something where you know it's going to return more than 0% within 12 months, that might make sense because now you're getting access to money that can help repel you further and faster. Exactly. And, and that's, I mean, just equating it to Airbnb, you just mentioned, you know, if, if you can have something for 0% interest for the next 12 months, think about all that furniture guys that you need to be able to fund your first Airbnb, you know, you, whether it's a basic three bedroom, two bath house, that's $15,000 uh, of furniture, or maybe it's that luxury place that's going to cost you $40,000. Think about that for a second. If you're cash flowing more than what you're having to pay back on this card, then that is a smart debt. That is something that allows you to be able to get an asset, which in this case would be the property and the furniture, and allow you to be able to pay it off over time uh, at really low pressure. And that's that's the key there is, is it feels like, man, when I got 0% interest, I don't feel like I have to like, man, I got to, I got to pay this thing off as quickly as possible. So I know I'm even getting ahead of myself here. So just, let's just pump the brakes for a second. You educate us just Eli, bring it in here. What is business credit? How do we get it? How do we use it? How can you help? I mean, I want to just hear everything. Okay, great. So we'll start from the top. Let's, let's define what personal credit is versus business credit. Right. And so it's essentially the same thing. The bank is lending money to an entity. Right. And so you can do that through a various uh, through various mechanisms, but we're going to talk primarily about business credit cards. So just like you get personal credit cards, your business can get one too. Now, when you're a small business owner, you're starting out, you're going to personally guarantee the debt, which means you still sign for it. But the difference is when you apply for personal credit, you apply with your social security number and it'll show up on your personal credit report. Right. When you apply with a business, you're applying and you're still guaranteeing it. So they will still pull your personal credit, but it's going under the entity of your business, right? So whether you have an LLC, an S Corp or whatever it is, it's going to that. Even if you don't have this, this is one of the craziest things to me about business credit. You don't even have to have a structured entity. You could actually use your social security number and apply as a sole proprietor. And technically that's still a separate legal entity in terms of credit. So you could get a card underneath your business without having a formal structure as an entity or as an LLC or an S Corp, apply, and it will still not show up in your personal credit report. So that's the main difference is where does this, where does this approval come from? What are the rules for these approvals? And then where does it show up in terms of your actual credit reports? Because there is something called a business credit report, which we'll touch on. But the main thing here is that if you get the right business cards, which is about 90% of them, it will not show up in your personal credit report. Which is great because if you're looking to buy a car, buy a house, and they're looking at your your basically profits and, and loss statements or your debt to income ratios, this is not going to pop up. That's exactly it. And additionally... If you are doing this whole thing, let's say you're going to invest into an Airbnb and you want to furnish it. 
and you realize it's going to cost me $15,000 and I have no interest for 12 months. You could take that 15K and furnish it and pay it off right away if you have the cash, or you can let that thing cash flow, take the money, reinvest it wherever you need to do. It, and then in 12 months, you pay it off before it starts accruing interest. Now, normally, if you were to do that with personal credit, what would happen? Well, you'd be maxing on a card, your score would tank because utilization, which is your second factor of credit, would go really high, which means your score goes down because you look risky to a bank. So if you use business credit, there's no impact on your personal credit report, which means you can do that. Again, you have to still take into account the risks of the business and the investment and make sure the returns make sense. But strategically, you can do that and max those cards out without having any impact on your personal credit, which just opens this opportunity to, again, keep the cash in the business and use that for what you need to do to grow. Awesome. I have a question, but I don't want to break your flow here. So do you want to keep going or do you want my question? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. So you mentioned 0% after 12 months, it turns into, you know, you start paying the interest. How much does it jump up? So it depends on the card. Um, most cards you're going to see, you know, as low as 16% up to about 24%. I'd say most are going to be 18 to 22%. So it's pretty high interest compared to other forms of financing. So that's really why you don't want to stay out of that. Because again, if you're thinking about the leverage piece, that's, that's APR annual percentage rate. So 18% on a year. So if you have $10,000, you're paying $1,800 in interest. So if you're going to use that and you're going to pay the high interest, then now your margin for, you know, creating profit on that deal is going to be a lot more, it's going to be a lot tighter. So having 0% interest is really the way you want to go, but there is a specific sequence and order that you need to go through. And I can kind of walk through these steps of business credit, the things you really need to know in order to master this, because it's not quite the same as personal credit in terms of applying and how that all works too, which is really important to know. Cool. Okay. That's, that's very good to know. All right. Keep, keep going, brother. Yeah. So um, I can kind of break into these four steps. I think that's going to be the most um, useful way for me to articulate kind of how this process works in terms of going through it. Um, but the key here is that overall, your biggest uh, goal should be to keep good relationships with banks, to keep your credit clean, and to be able to rinse and repeat this process when you want to. So I'll just throw out an example. There's a lot of companies that do done-for-you funding. And what that means, if you're not familiar with that, is they'll basically apply for a bunch of credit on your behalf. Now, sometimes it makes sense. Most of the time, in my opinion, it's not a great move because they're not taking into consideration six months, 12 months, 18 months from now, what do you want to be able to get approved for? Right. right. Because there's certain rules that these banks have. And if you don't abide by these rules, you basically get handcuffed from from future relationships with them. So that's the overall key to know. Um, and if it sounds good for you, Kyle, I can walk us through those those four steps now or yeah, any other questions. we got. Let's do it. Cool. So so step one is going to be like anything else. You want to get the foundations right and really learn the rules of the game, because this is a game. It's a system. Credit is super cool because it's like taxes. There's rules, there's kind of hacks and strategies, and there's billionaires that have you know real estate empires or whatever it is, and they pay nothing in taxes. A lot of people hate them for it. But what's the what's the truth is they know the rules of the game better and they have better accountants, attorneys, and they know how to move money around in ways that it just you know optimizes to the game that exists. Right. When you learn the credit game, it's very similar in the sense of you're gonna have these hacks and strategies and knowledge around the ways the system works that you can then uh, kind of play the system. So number one, you want to learn the rules. So what is it? What does it take to get approved for business credit? Well, you have to have a certain credit score, really over, ideally over 700. Um, you could be as low as 680 typically, but you really want to get that score up and there's ways to optimize your score, which we can talk about. Um, you want to have lower inquiries, you need to have lower utilization, and there's really a certain checklist we'll walk people through, um, but these are kind of the high level ideas. So those are some of the initial ones, as well as you can't have any late payments or collections, and you really want to have a few personal primary cards already built. Now that's important because banks want to see if we're going to lend to this business, businesses are risky um, in the eyes of a bank. So they want to see, does this person have solid credit history and background? Are they a responsible individual? 
because at the stage of an early, you know, early stage business, like a, you know, it's your first or second or even your fifth Airbnb, they're looking at you and they're like, we don't know this guy from anyone on the street. So, you know, we need to make sure that the business, if this thing goes under, you know, this person is, is, uh, is liable for that debt. So, so even though it really does not get hit on our personal credit scores, it still is important for these banks to know you as an individual, not just your, not just your business. Exactly. Exactly. Especially at a smaller business level. I mean, the bank is really going to be looking at, here's what the business financials say, particularly if you're just starting, here's what the projected financials say, but they're really going to be basing that off of, off of you. Now there are ways to get what they call um, no PG business credit cards too, but typically those aren't going to be used for things like furnishing an Airbnb. It's going to be used more for like you have a fleet of cars and you want to get gas or you have like supplies and you're trying to do stuff at Home Depot. Maybe if you're doing flips, that might make sense. But typically you're going to be getting a personally guaranteed card for the exact reason that you mentioned. Okay. That's awesome. Cool. All right. So next step. So step two. So this is a really, it's really a four-step process here. So step two is going to be to now you've got an understanding of the rules. You understand how to get approved, what you need to do to set up your credit, like how you, how this whole thing works. And then step two is going to be to create a strategy. Now, just like anything else, you don't just want to go in blind and guns blazing and just do whatever you can do. Cause again, it's not going to set you up for success down the road. You want to come in knowing, okay, I'm reverse engineering what I want. Here's my outcome, you know, three years from now, here's my outcome this year. Here's the banks that are in my area. Here are the local banks, here's the national banks. Here's the rules that each of these banks have. Here's the order I can go through to apply for these cards to get the best sequence. And here's how I can maximize my credit lines. Cause that's a big piece too. If you get approved and you get approved for a thousand dollars, that doesn't really do a whole lot for you. Right. Right. But if you do the right steps, you might get 20,000, 30,000, even up to like 50, $75,000. So on a single card. Um, so you want to know that as well as the other pieces of the puzzle. Now, for most people here, the, the main thing that we're going to be leveraging credit for is going to be to finally get into Airbnb. But there's also other benefits, you know, like what are the points that you're going to get for free travel? Because okay. um, yeah. some some cards are going to have points and some aren't. So you want to think about all of these things and really understand how to create an overall strategy. Cool. So when, when we talk about a strategy, uh, you're saying that the finding the bank and having an understanding of the banks is part of the strategy. Am I right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, which local banks you have, which national banks there are, what cards are 0%, which aren't, that's all part of creating your strategy. So there's got to be some sort of art of talking to these banks, especially if I am Kyle Stanley and I have one, two, three, four LLC that just got opened yesterday. Hey, I don't have a business. Uh, I don't have a profit loss statement, but I need business credit. So I got to be able to go walk in there with a little bit of maybe some swag and, and the right kind of conversation. Am I right? Or is this just a system of like, you just got to keep looking to find the right one? Yeah, that's a really good question. Cause there's, there's really multiple tiers of banks here. There's what you have, like as your big national brands, your Chase, Amex, Wells Fargo, City, Capital One, US Bank, those kinds of Bank of America, those kinds of banks. Then you've got your smaller local regional banks. And then you have like the really, really local banks, right? And so the bigger banks, you can walk in with some swagger and kind of schmooze and do the whole thing. But at the end of the day, they're like looking at your numbers and like, this is what you got. Okay, cool. And they, they, that's all it is. Because, you know, they have a lot more controls in place. They have a lot more principles and policies. When it comes to the smaller banks, there's a little bit more of like, hey, we really want to work with someone local. This is what we're trying to do. If you can help me out, I'm going to be with you guys long-term. And so there's a lot more of a relationship that goes into that. But before you even start to work those relationships, again, you need to figure out which ones are going to benefit you the most. Um, typically, they're all, I mean, off the bat, there's a bunch of good cards that you can start with with the bigger banks. Chase and Amex um, have some of the best rewards cards for 0% interest business credit. So it's great to start that with them. They're going to have, again, good points and earning systems as well. And they're everywhere. They're easy to use. They have 
you know, established system and credibility and you don't have to go sort through and try and find your, your local bank. But um, if you're looking to really get some, uh, you know, premium financing and be able to get like revolving lines of credit down the road, a lot of times those local banks are actually going to be what's better for you. So that's where the strategy piece comes in is know your outcome and then figure out what options you have and figure out, okay, what is this bank looking for on paper? Because you're trying to walk in, as you just said, and look as best on paper for what they want uh, in order to create that relationship. Awesome. Uh, Clover just commented. He said, very good info. And he said uh, he uh, is super interested in getting into some business credit. Again, guys, if you have questions, go ahead and post them right now. We're live in the Airbnb Masterminds page, Eli Facenda with Freedom Travel Systems. And he is bringing just tons of value here on the four-step system on how to get business credit. All right. So for anyone that's just jumping in right now, uh, step one, step two, just a quick recap. Yeah. Step one, learn the rules. You got to know what you're dealing with. You got to learn how the system works. What is it going to take to get approved? How do you make sure that you set yourself up to get those approvals and basically get that down before you go? Because if you just start applying for stuff and you're wasting inquiries, now you're going to hurt your credit and it's not going to benefit you at all. Right? So you need to learn that. Step two, create your strategy. What's your end result? What's the end outcome? How do we backwards reverse engineer that? So we know, okay, this is what I want. I need $50,000 to do three Airbnbs. That means I'm going to want to get 40,000 to 20, 20 to 40,000 now. And then another round later, how do we start to reverse engineer that and look for the right cards and relationships to get, right? Awesome. So step three is going to be off of that whole piece is going to be creating relationships. So we just talked about, you know, you have an idea of who you want to create a relationship with, but what does it mean to actually create the relationship? What does it actually look like? So number one, if you're going again to these smaller banks, it really is going to be going in person, meeting a business development rep there or relationship manager at this bank and really explaining what you're doing, who you are. Um, and you're probably going to have people in your personal network that know local bankers and local bankers can be really, really good assets. They really go to bat for you. They really care about you as an individual, even if you're smaller. So that's going to be um, strategy one, if you're going that route. Now, if you're going to the bigger national banks, creating a relationship is more of your interaction with the brand. So let's say you want to get a Chase business card. Well, you can apply without having any relationship with Chase, meaning no previous cards and previous checking accounts. But what do they want? Well, you need to understand how banking works, right? So there's fractional reserve bank. We're not going to get to all this, but when you help store money in their bank, you're funding their bank, which means they can increase lending and there's a whole system to it. So you creating a relationship with them really means putting money into a checking account with them, whether it's a business or personal account. And the longer you have it sitting there and the, you know, the longer you've had that relationship with them, the more they're going to really trust you. As weird as that sound for, sounds for a multi, you know, thousand person employee national brand, that's actually how it works. So if you have a relationship where you've put $20,000 in the bank account and it's sat there for three months, the amount that you get approved for and the approval rate is going to be much higher than someone who has $0 with them and they don't have any previous relationship. So that's going to be one of the main things. And then if your business is big enough at a lot of these banks, you're actually going to be able to get what's called a relationship manager. Usually it's right around a million dollars in revenue on an annual basis. So they can really be your best asset and resource, but that's out of reach for a lot of people that are typically just starting, but that's a good thing to work towards. Awesome. I love it. Okay. So the relationship that finding that person that's going to go to bat for you mm -hmm. um, really quick. I, I do have one question. That's pretty good here uh, from uh, Timothy. He says, um, wasn't sure if we discussed already the difference between the credit cards versus line of credit. So mm. um, what that, I think that's a really good question. What is the difference yes. there and what we're talking about? Yeah. Tremendous question because it's kind of confusing and part of it, there is different products of lending within banking, 
but you can have a basically a business credit card, which actually has a physical card attached to it. And then you can have what's called a revolving line of credit, which is essentially a credit line they extend to you, but it's, it, it's almost like a mix between a bank account and a credit card, meaning it's just in your account. You don't have like a physical card that you go to the store and swipe with. So that's really the main difference. The revolving lines of credit are typically gonna be much higher off the bat. Okay. Um, and you can move that money right into different accounts as well, unlike credit cards where there's like different fees and all this stuff associated. Um, Business credit cards are easier to get. Revolving lines of credit do require more established um, entity history for most parts. And there's different layers of that too. There's what they call full doc, which means you have to have two years of tax returns and personal financial statements and all this stuff. Whereas, um, you know, there's also what they call no doc, whereas you can, you can kind of just apply like a credit card where you're pretty much going and you're putting in an application without having all that information. Um, those are harder to find though. So if you're just starting, you really don't even want to worry about that. If you have an established business that does have at least a few hundred thousand dollars of revenue, you've been around for two to three years, getting a revolving line of credit can make a lot of sense. And your interest rates are going to be drastically lower versus a business credit card. Um, you know, you're looking at four to 7% roughly. So that's going to help a lot. Now the terminology can be confusing for some because technically, you know, you could say a line of credit when you're referring to a credit card because it is like some it is a form of credit so people will talk about it in that expression but a revolving line is really what we're talking about when we say a line of credit so there's the credit card and then revolving line of credit is two separate things okay cool thanks for clearing that up that makes a lot of sense so long story short it is better to get the credit cards um and, and to go that route to start off um, but much easier yeah so fourth step you last yeah last in in suspense here <laughs> Last step. So it's, it's now we're time to take action. All right. We've got the rules down. We have our strategy and we built relationships. So what's left run the application sequence. And why do I say sequence? Well, because if you want to do this right, there's a couple ways to do it. Obviously you're going to do this with what's in line with your actual goals. As we talked about in the step two, creating your strategy, but you may be needing to apply for a couple different cards. And so when it comes to a sequence, you, you can start to learn which banks are going to pull from which credit bureau. And essentially what you're doing is you're playing a little bit Tetris with the banks. Okay, this one's going to pull TransUnion. This one's going to pull Equifax. And this one's going to pull Experian. And this one's going to pull these two. And I know, okay, I want to do this and I don't want to have a ton of inquiries on my report. So I'm going to go in this order and apply for these three cards on you know the same day or based on how the inquiries are going to report. And you can start to create the sequence to get approvals. Um, if you have a bunch of inquiries on Experian, you apply for another card with Experian. Oftentimes the banks can look at that and be like, this person's got too many inquiries lately. Again, they see that from a lending perspective as why is this person so needy for credit? They must be in trouble. They must not be very trustworthy with the credit we're about to lend them. So we're going to decline them, right? And so that's, that's kind of how these banks uh, think, more like how their algorithms are designed uh, to think for them. But that's what running an application sequence means. It means going through and actually applying for these. And then also, if you do, this is a little extra bonus tip for you guys. If you get declined, particularly these bigger national banks, they have what's called a reconsideration line. So you may get declined on, you know, an application. It might not be anything with your credit. It might be because your home address didn't match what they had in their records or your business, your business entity was structured different than what they thought or something weird like that. There's all these sorts of weird ways. So you call the reconsideration line and you ask them to overturn the application. I've seen, I mean, it's not hundred percent success rate by any means, but you're getting maybe 30 to 40% applications overturned, which is massive um, for, you know, a lot of people just walk away as a comparison, just be like, oh, I guess that was it. So always make sure if you do get denied, you can call reconsideration and that's, uh, that's going to be a, a massive help for you. And would you do that right away or would you wait a little bit of time for that? If you get straight out denied, go right away. If they tell you they're going to review the application, then it's not going to help at all. So okay. you're going to have to wait. Oftentimes they, you know, if they see certain things, they're going to do an internal review and someone will like manually look at it versus the, the algorithm or software just doing it. 
So that's going to be um, a different process where they're going to say, hey, I, you're going to get on the phone with someone. They're like, I can't do anything about this. You need to wait until we tell you the decision. We'll send it in the mail. Um, and that's kind of how they operate. Cool. So did I assess what you just said, right? When you were talking about the timing of everything, I think about going and applying for a mortgage for a house. You know, I get that alert on my credit saying, you know, you now have X amount of days to shop for another quote without it being an inquiry, another inquiry. Is that kind of the approach there? Just trying to find out, all right, how many days after I apply for this, am I able to shop around essentially for free or, or what's mm. is that? Is that kind of where, where you were going with that? Somewhat. What I really mean is you want to know just again, which banks are going to pull from which credit bureaus. And sometimes they'll even do a soft pull depending on the bank and the relationship. Um, and so you can get that. And then sometimes they're also going to have what they, what they basically call as combining of inquiries. So if you get two cards from one, from the same bank in the same day and you apply, oftentimes they're going to consolidate that inquiry into one similar to like what you're talking about with buying a home where you might get 15 inquiries and they're going to, you know, they're going to say, Hey, all of these really count as one within that window. So that's going to always be that rule specifically. It doesn't work for every bank. You can look it up, but that rule is always going to work for same, or if it works, it's going to be for same day. And typically you're not going to get more than two, um, but you could do that with a couple of different banks. So let's say you had three different banks and you applied for two cards. Instead of getting six inquiries, you're getting three and you're getting six cards. So it would be, it'd be a little bit with knowing the situation and who you're applying with and what their rules are. That's more, that's more what I mean. Okay, cool. So Let's see if I recap this the right way. Step number one is just knowing the game, understanding the game. Step number two, you're going to actually go and find the bank to be able to, to approach. Step three is developing that relationship. And then step four is actually starting the entire sequence process. That's cool. You nailed it. And, and it kind of mini step five is, again, make sure that you're able to do this again, that you're, you know these bank rules going back to step one so that when you do actually apply, if you want to go back in six months or 12 months, you can do it. Right. That's a, that's a big piece too. Okay, cool. Um, before we get to questions, is there anything else that we didn't talk about that you want to splash in there? Yeah. So I want to just touch on a couple of quick things of some kind of common myths around just like what credit means and how this whole thing works, because most, most of what happens for people isn't the mechanics of finances or credit. That's the issue. It's the, it's the noise in their head and the, the kind of weird belief systems and really just the information gap that they have. Most people have outdated information or they have just information that was, again, designed with the intent of kind of protecting them from themselves, but not empowering them to understand how the system works. So there's a couple of things there. Um, so as I mentioned previously, you don't have to have a serious, quote unquote, established business with multiple years and have a full LLC that's doing tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars in revenue to get business credit. Myth number one, you can get it if you've mowed your neighbor's lawn and you've done it as a sole proprietor and you got 20 bucks, you're in business, baby. That counts, right? So cool. you can go, you can go apply for that. Awesome. Okay. Um, I already talked about it, pulling personal credit and uh, and the importance of that. Just really knowing that again, this is going to be something that you personally are responsible for. Now, worst case scenario, I don't even really like to go too in depth with this, but there's always balance transfer options for people that if something you know something crazy happens, you've got that. Um, and then the last thing that I want to cover is just your credit score overall, because a lot of people get concerned around just this whole credit game. And in order to even get business credit, I mentioned earlier, you need to have solid personal credit history. So what does that mean? Well, you've got five factors of credit and you wanna make sure you've got at least three personal primary cards. Ideally, you've got a couple of different uh, types of credit, meaning your credit mix is good. So you know, having a mortgage on there would help, having a car payment, student loans, all those things will actually help build your credit. Um, and one of the more surprising facts that most people don't know is that you actually have to have 21 or more accounts reporting to your credit report, your personal credit report, in order to have a perfect score. 
Mm. So most people are sitting there with two credit cards and they're like, I don't want to apply for a new one. It's going to hurt my credit. You are going to get an inquiry, but when you understand how credit works, you realize, okay, new credit is the smallest factor of credit. Yep. Right. So I'll get a new inquiry. It'll ding my score a little bit, maybe three to five points max. That's going to last for 90 days. And, but over time, you're going to actually build on-time payments and you're going to build this history and you're going to build average age higher. So all these good things are showing up too. So you need to think of it from the perspective of a bank. What do they want to see? They want to see someone who's credible and trustworthy, which means someone who, who's been on time for a long time. They've borrowed different types of lending. They've, uh, they've repaid stuff. They've been loyal. Those are the kinds of things they want to see. So that's how credit really works. Super important to understand some of these like fundamentals, because if you don't, you're going to be nervous. You're not going to know what you're doing. And you might, you know, you might feel like you can't do this when you really can. Yeah. It's funny that you say that. Cause I remember being in a, in a room when I went to a seminar for, it was a shark tank knockoff kind of thing. And one of the things that they talked about that day, this was back in like 2015, they're like, all right, what's better, more credit cards or less credit cards And everyone in the room, less credit cards. And they said, nope, more credit cards. You can get a higher score. I was like, wait, what? And I went back to my parents. I was like, did you know this? And they're like, no, that's not true. <laughs> you know, it's just yeah. all, all these things, just like you said, if you don't get taught this um, in school, which is a shame, but um, that's great to hear, man. And then, you know, what I love about it is that you're double dipping and not only are you funding things at 0% interest, but as you're putting money on those cards, you're now getting travel points, you're getting money back, which mm -hmm. is super intriguing to me. And I know we didn't really get to ta uh, talk about that a whole lot, but you know, is that something that you have any tips or tricks on? Yeah. So when you're starting out with this stuff, you really do want to think, what is the ideal lifestyle you're trying to create? Because there's the business side, which is massive. And then for most people here, the icing on the cake is going to be, heck yeah, I want to take first class trips and stay at amazing resorts and not pay for it. And that's initially what intrigued me. And that's a whole world in itself. Um, but the way that that really works is you're going to earn different points from these different cards. Now, not a key, not all points are created equal. So I talked to a lot of people I'm like, oh yeah, I got all these uh, Bank of America points. I'm like, oh, not going to do as much as getting Chase or Amex points because of the way that you can use these points to transfer to airlines and hotels. Now I'm not going to go all into that, but when you start to maximize the points game, let's just give a really quick example. You could earn a hundred thousand points on a 0% interest card that you opened to fund your Airbnb, right? So you're going to yeah. earn a hundred thousand points. If you don't know what you're doing to use those, you're going to get a thousand dollars worth of value, which isn't bad. If you do know what you're doing, that same hundred thousand points might equal $6,000 or $8,000 or $10,000. Wow. For example, I'm going to Dubai going to be flying out of New York in about a month. It's going to cost me, you know, a little bit more than that, but I'm going to be getting a $14,000 flight with a shower on the airplane and a bar oh, on the, nice. in the sky too. So <laughs> when you do it right, it, be, it can become really, really amazing. I think most people that are in this, they kind of know what the points thing is. They've heard about it, but they never really realize like there's so much more to it. So if that interests you, that's a whole piece of this game that you really want to make sure to master. And while doing that, um, it doesn't really matter if you're doing business credit or travel you need to have a system in place. And that's why for us, we call the program Freedom Travel Systems. Because if you were doing this, let's say you want to get multiple Airbnbs and you want to travel and you want to do this fun stuff, you start to get more cards. Your goal is to create Airbnbs your business, not being a part-time credit manager. So you need to have good systems, automation tools, all that stuff to make sure that you don't have any on or late payments, that you don't have to log in 50 times a month. Everything's organized and streamlined so that you can just you know have peace of mind and not spend a ton of time tracking and monitoring this stuff. And so there are systems and apps and tools you can put in place that make it really simple to manage all this. Like I've got 30 cards right here for those that are on camera is my, my credit card man purse. 
And, uh, and I've got a system for that. So I don't have to think about it. I'm not worried about it. I'm building my credit as I go. I'm getting all these points, I'm getting the funding I need and I'm doing all of it without having to have this headache of being like managing all these crazy cards. So it, uh, it can be pretty, pretty good if you get that down. If that didn't get you fired up, uh, a $14,000 flight with a shower on it, like you're, you're on, you're on the wrong webinar right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, if you're down for it, we got a lot of Q and a going on here. So if, uh, if I can just fire away one at a time here, you ready to rock? Bring him on. I'm here to help. Let's go. All right, let's do it. So Anton says funded my first Airbnb out of pocket. I just applied for the Navy federal business credit. How can I use this to my advantage as my Airbnb is already up and running? Is it smart to pay off personal debt with business credit? Mm, great question, Anton. So without knowing a ton about your personal credit situation, you did just bring up a really interesting point, which is called debt hacking. So mm -hmm. what does that mean? Well, if your score is low, again, utilization is one of the most common things. It means that your percentage that you're using of what's being lent to you is too high. So given that your business credit cards don't report your personal credit report, one of the most strategic things you can do is take personal debt and move it underneath a business card. You can get, again, one under, as um, a sole proprietor, doesn't have to be attached to like a real massive business. You just hold it there at 0% interest while you work off paying down that debt. And now your credit's good and you're free to continue to pursue the other business endeavors. What's really cool again about business credit is you may have $10,000 on a card and you max it out with Bank of America. And if you apply for a Wells Fargo card, they're not going to be able to see that because it doesn't show up in your personal credit report. So that is one thing you can do if utilization is your issue. The other thing to improve your credit, if that's kind of the outcome you're going for, massive hack, massive, massive, massive tip. This is a big one to write down if you have bad credit. The authorized user program is incredible. So I'm just explaining what this is for one second. Um, basically, the authorized user program will allow, let's say, Kyle, you were going to add me as an authorized user to one of your cards. Okay. You're going to write to the bank. You're going to say, hey, Eli's going to become an authorized user. Now what's going to happen is the history from that card, not your whole credit report, but just that card is now going to show up on my credit report. So let's say you have a card that's 30 years old and it's got 200 on-time payments. It's got a $30,000 limit and you don't use it. Now all of those great things are going to go onto my credit report. So my number of payments is going to go up. My average age is going to go up. My utilization is going to go down. All of that stuff's going to skyrocket. So that is a really, really helpful tip if you're trying to make sure your credit score goes up. Mm. Um, it doesn't replace having your own primary cards, which means me having my own personal cards. I need to have that, but it will get me into the credit score zone where I'm going to be able to get approved for more, more cards. And, so, and it doesn't do uh, the opposite for the other person. So that's a great question. It's a one way street, which is beautiful about it because wow. The only way it goes wrong for you, Kyle, in this situation is if you actually give me the card and then I spend it because you're responsible for the debt now. So you just don't give the person the card, right? You call up your grandma who's had a card for 40 years. Say, hey, add me. There's going to be a card in the mail. Put it in the shredder. I don't even want it. I just want the credit history, right? And you can do that and it can boost your score. I did this because I'm younger and I you know, have a good amount of cards and all this stuff. So my dad added me and it jumped my score like 30 points. Um, it's an amazing, amazing kind of hack and it's totally legal. You don't want to have a bunch of these, I'd recommend one or two. Um, you have like 10 of these on your report. It's not going to look great. So you just want to have one or two of them and give yourself a little boost and that can help. Um, so Anton, that's what I would suggest overall to improve your credit. If you're looking at getting your, your personal debt down, move, if you can move it over to a business card at 0% interest, that's definitely a great way to do it. And then work on paying that thing down from there. Nice. That's awesome. Uh, this is not a question, but definitely a kudos to Daisy. She says, I funded my first Short-term rental using the strategy, no money out of pocket, nothing on my personal credit report. I also sequenced. So Daisy, awesome job, Daisy. Yeah, yeah, she's got the credit verbiage down. She threw a sequence in there, and I, she there you go. Doing it. 
Uh, Madeline says, I'm in California. I'm buying my first property for short-term rentals in Florida. Uh, I should open an LLC and apply for credit through this entity, correct? Rather than sole proprietor? Yes, correct. That's usually going to be the better way to go. Um, if you have a structured entity as an LLC or an S-Corp, it looks more serious to the bank. Um, so that's something that I would, I would go through that actual entity. Um, one other thing, just a tip, if you haven't formulated your business yet and you're thinking about the funding side, you want to basically do a business structure and entity that is least risky or less risky, excuse me. So things that have low overhead are, are generally going to be less risky. So, um, <clears throat> you know, real estate can actually be somewhat of a risky thing for banks. Uh, so you may want to name your business something that's not necessarily like Kyle's real estate company. It might just be, you know, fearless investor, right? And that's going to be different than than uh, what the bank sees. So there's some small things you can do there with that. But overall, if you have an entity, you should go through that unless for any specific like tax or accounting or bookkeeping reasons, you legitimately want to keep it separate just for transactions. That's a different outcome. But if you're just looking to fund the Airbnb, I would go through the LLC. Cool. By the way, Gabriella said uh, in regards to the credit hacking, I did this for my brother, increased his score significantly in just one month. So we got, we got some seasoned people in here. That's pretty there cool. There you go. Amazing. Um, a backup question from Madeline. She said, uh, can you go back to elaborating on sequency? Um, she wasn't quite clear on that. Yeah. So with, without knowing too much around like where the confusion is, what I would suggest for the sequence is really just, just keep it simple in your mind. You want to know which banks are going to try to, or generally you want to try to get an idea of which banks are going to pull which credit bureaus. Now this isn't information you can call them and be like, Hey, which credit bureau do you pull? They don't really like to just tell you that, but you want to know which ones of those you can research it online and, and typically find it or work with someone who kind of knows this stuff and has data points to reference. And what you'll want to do is look at, okay, based on these inquiries and the order that they're going to go on my report, which order do I want to apply in, as well as the sequence has to do with the bank rules, kind of going back to step one. So a little tip here, Chase has a rule called the 524 rule. Again, this isn't like something they're going to tell you, but it's very well known, which says if you've had five or more personal cards in the last 24 months, you will get denied for any Chase card business personal doesn't matter. So if you're doing a sequence and you want to get a personal card in that mix and you've got, you know, and you want to get a Chase business card too, you'll know that, okay, I want to apply for the Chase business card first. So it doesn't count towards that, that total number of five. And then I can continue to get approved. So that's what I mean with sequencing is just knowing the inquiry orders and the rules to know what order is going to make sense to do the application. So it's very much situational to what you're trying to do. Um, but that's the overall theme. Okay, cool. Sounds awesome. We're, we got a lot of questions pouring in, but we only have time for two more. So really quickly and uh, about three minutes or less, I want to get these two questions in. Um, Zach says, I just spun up a property management uh, LLC and I'm now uh, doing Airbnb VRBO payments through it instead of uh, my personal account. Also started using a business credit card and business checking to pay the utilities and the mortgage to start building business history for the LLC to scale in the future. Are there any other benefits to building a good business history? Any other recommendations to build good business history? Yeah. So when you talk about business history, what really most people are referencing is what's called a business credit score. Different from your personal credit score where there's all these factors. Business credit scores are really based on your, it's really simple. It's just paying back on time. But a lot of things don't report to your business credit report. So like getting a business credit card even doesn't show up half the time in your business credit reports, which is just weird. So there's certain what they call net 30 accounts or vendor accounts that you'd want to set up to report to your business credit report. And that's how you'll build a good business credit score. But I want to be very clear. You do not have to have a good business credit score to get business credit cards or even to get good credit limits. It will help 100%. 
but it's not necessary. 99% of the people I work with don't have this, right? So it's not a necessity. So I wouldn't focus on it too much unless you have really big plans to get like revolving lines of credit, then yeah, it might make sense to pursue that and put some effort into it. Okay, cool. Last question. Uh, very simple. Chrissy says, uh, LLC or corporation, does it matter? Um, in terms of funding and bank relationships and credit cards, it doesn't really matter. I would say you, you don't want to make your decision for um, how you're going to structure your entity around this. I would think more like, are you raising capital? Are you going to have investors? What do you want distributions versus dividends to look like and tax implications? That's all way more important than getting approved. What's going to be more important in terms of approval is going to be like the actual business history and your personal credit report, especially for the level that we're operating at. So I really wouldn't base that around this stuff. Okay. Awesome. Well, guys, here's the good news is that Eli um, is giving you an opportunity to be able to connect with him. And I'm dropping this right now into the chat. And in fact, it's also in the title at the top there. There's a link. If you just go ahead and go to that link and you can set up, well, I, I don't want to seal the words out of your mouth, Eli. What do they get when they go to that link? Yeah. So you'll get a chance to obviously learn more about what we do. And, and for that also, if you're on Instagram, um, you can just follow me at Eli travel guy. I'm posting all sorts of credit stuff there. And it's a great way to just have a quick conversation and messages. If you want to um, learn more there about what we do, what I do, this whole credit game, get some tips and ideas. Uh, but really, if you're actually interested in, in really leveling this stuff up and learning more, you could definitely schedule a one-on-one -on -one call. Um, and that'll be a link right on the page. And you can basically click there. It'll give you a link to my calendar and we'll find a time that works best. And um, yeah, I'd love to hear more about what the goals you have are for, for credit, what you're trying to do with business credit, how travel plays into it, and see if there's ways to help you out. So that'll be an option available for everyone in this group. And just so you guys know, uh, Eli and I have gone back a few months here, and and I was very hesitant about getting him on the show, and I even added him into my, my course. And the reason I decided to was because um, I actually had one of my students go through this, and they said when they went through... Uh, getting business credit, they felt like they were given no power on how to be able to do it themselves. And the reason that I really enjoyed what I was talking to Eli about was that he gives you the power to be able to go out and learn how to do this on your own. So he's got a self-study course. He's got a done with you opportunity, and he's even got a done for you opportunity. But what I love is that, you know, he's really about knowledge is, is power when it comes to this. He's going to walk you through it, be able to do it the first time so you can go and do it on your own the next time. And man, a lot, lot of tips, a lot of tricks, hacks that I'm just like, my head is spinning right now, Eli. So thanks so much, man, for helping us get on here, talk about business credit and conquering the world of short-term rentals with that business credit. Amazing, Kyle. Thank you so much, guys. I hope you enjoyed this. Again, if you have questions, feel free to hit me up and uh, keep learning. This stuff is so available for all of you. If you're, I mean, particularly if you're based in the US, this is something that you're really gonna be able to do. So, uh, so explore, learn more, reach out and have fun. Awesome. Thank you, Eli. Show notes for this one, fearlesskyle.com forward slash freedom travel systems. I'd say Eli Facenda, but Facenda is too hard to spell as a last name. So we're going to do uh, Freedom Travel Systems and just go ahead and get started there. You can go ahead and set up a consultation with Eli and it's as simple as that. You could have 10, 15, 20, or maybe even $50,000 of business credit before you know it. 0% interest over the next 12 months. What do you have to lose? Go ahead and book a call with him and go out there, conquer the world of Airbnb short-term rentals and do it with business credit. We'll see you. Thank you.